Jehovah, Jehovah reigns. Your name, Jehovah, Jehovah reigns. Your name, we call Jehovah, Jehovah reigns. Your name, no other name, Jehovah.
right now. Yeah. Pray, he's fighting your battle this morning. things and all of those things 
But when we're looking at this passage of scripture, it says that when Mary went into the house of Elizabeth and she greeted her, she just had to say, hello, my cousin. What's going on? What's happening? And it says that the babe, which is John the Baptist, left in her womb. And Mary, I mean, sorry, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. For me, this is very important because we carry Jesus in the season. He, is, he lives in us. He moves in us. We carry him everywhere we go. And so in this time, we will encounter, we will go to many uh, company functions, family functions. Not everybody is carrying what we are carrying. But we need, they, they need to know what we are carrying. So when we enter into their presence, whether it's a, a, a company function, whether it's their home, wherever it is, let something leap inside of them at the recognition of the Jesus that is in us, which means that our lives need to be impeccable. We cannot do what they're doing. It's a caution to us because sometimes we can get carried away with what's going on in the place. We can say, well, if it's just one more time, or just one time, just something for me just to enjoy. I'm so good throughout the whole year. Don't fool yourselves. Don't get caught up in the silliness of the season, but know that which you are carrying, and that is the presence of God. So I pray today, whoever you come into contact with, let something leap inside of them. When they look at you, they must say, blessed are you. What is it that you are carrying? What is it that you have? I want some of that. Oh, I want all of that. So in this time that we are going out and we're doing things and even shopping and whatever it is, carry the presence of God in you. Carry it in you so that even in your decision making, he will be the one that will guide you. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, your word says to us, blessed are we, the, the, the ones that carry the Lord in us. Blessed are we, O oh God. I am praying today, Father, that there will be fulfillment in our lives during this time. Fulfillment that does not come from the world but fulfillment that comes from you. Knowing that we are carrying you, that, Lord, we are walking with you, that, Lord, you never leave us nor forsake us. And today we carry you, O oh God, into every situation. Even in this time, O oh God, when there will be so much of celebration, but worldly celebration, may we carry the joy of the Lord. May we carry the hope of the Lord. May we carry the presence of the Lord. Not only, oh God, when there's times of joy, but we will be entering into homes where people will need a word from you, Father. Let us, oh God, as even during our hamper drive, oh God, when we enter into people's homes, Lord Jesus, let them, let something leap inside of them because they know, oh God, that there is a Jesus that cares for them, that there's a Jesus that loves them. And this is the message that we want to give out during this time, oh God. Not any silly message, Lord, but the message that Jesus is Christ. He's Lord of all and he's the answer. And so today we give you praise. I, I pray, God, this morning for our morning service. Oh, God, as our worship team would lead us. 
Lord, we want to give you our highest praise, our best praise today, Father. We do not praise you from our circumstance, but we praise you, O oh God, because of who you are. I bring Annie before you, Lord, as she would minister your word. I pray right now, Father, you would touch her from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet. Lord, we pray a double portion of your anointing upon her, O oh God, as she would minister, Lord. Let there be coals of fire upon her lips, O oh God. We bring Pastor Gerald before you, O oh God. Even, Lord, as he's gone out to minister this morning, I pray that the same anointing that flows in this house, oh God, will be deposited, oh God, even in that place. That, God, there will be a mighty move of your spirit. So this morning we give you thanks. We praise you and we uplift your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to our morning service. I pray that you were blessed. Give him your all this morning. Hallelujah. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Come on. If you're happy and you don't know it, still clap your hands. Come on, right now. There's a reason for you to be happy this morning. You're a child of the Most High God, a son and daughter. Come on, right now. Let's praise His name. Yeah, come on. There is a river where goodness flows. There is a fountain right now that drowns sorrows. There is a no, and it's deeper, deeper than the fish. The tide is rising. A current, there is a current, and it's stirring this morning. It's overflowing from the heart, heart of God, the blood of hell, and it's crashing, crashing over. Uh, the tide is rising, right? and it's bursting for us all. Come on, bursting, bursting up from the ground. We, it's bursting all over.
somebody and tell him I'm alive to give him praise right now. Come and give him a high five. Come and give him a high five and tell him, oh, we come alive this morning to praise his name. Amen. Nothing can stop your joy. Amen. Come on. We're going to rejoice in his presence right now and give him all the glory. Yeah. We do what we do right now. I'm, I'm going to dance and pray. It doesn't matter, Lord. It doesn't matter what comes my way. Greater one lives inside of me and you this morning. Because you born. 
right now It doesn't matter what comes The greater one, the greater one lives inside of me And you this morning And you born You more You're here right now And you feel with the Holy Ghost says the Lord shall ever prosper the greater one the greater one lives inside of me and you his name is Jesus you born you born you're here right now and you will in the Holy Ghost no weapon formed against you says the Lord no weapon formed shall ever says the Lord oh the greater one lives inside of me and you his name and you born you more you're here right now and you fill with the Holy Ghost let's rejoice I rejoice This morning, as we sang that song, and as Pastor declared last week, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. Now we're going to do that again right now. Amen. And let this be a declaration upon you over your life, over your family. Come on right now. If there's anybody that you're standing in the gap for, no weapon, says the Lord. Amen. Shall prosper. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Let's go. No weapon formed shall ever prosper. Shall ever come on right now, cause the greater one lives inside, and his name is you born, you more, you're here right now, and you fill with the whole no weapon right now. Oh, no weapon formed again shall ever prosper, my God.
our faith right now can do the impossible can see the invisible amen it's only by our faith right now hey. oh, is healing me let's go my faith Give him praise. 
devil has, come on right now, he'll never fail you. Amen. Our God is a big God. He's a loving God. And he loves us unconditional. And that is right now as we give him glory, praise and honor, we know who he is right now. And I think it's about time that we know who we are. Come on right now, who we are and how much we mean to him right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you right now. Because I still, Lord, I still believe you can move any mountain with just one word. We still believe, still believe you can heal any sickness with just one. Come on. I still believe, I still believe you can overcome fear with your power. Faith. And I believe, Lord, I still believe there is freedom for all by your prayer. Because, Lord, Lord, I believe it. Come on, church of God, we believe this right now. Lord, I believe it. I believe, Lord, Lord, I believe it. It's happening. It's happening now, Lord, I believe, Lord, I believe it, Lord, I believe it, we believe, Lord, and Lord, I believe that all you said, Lord, you see, it's happening now, hallelujah, come on, I still believe in you, Lord, I still believe you can move in with just one word, just one word. We still believe, Lord. I still believe you can heal, Father. Yeah, the Why? I still believe. I still believe you can overcome me with your power. It's freedom, freedom for all by your pressure. Lord, Lord, I believe it. We believe, Lord. Lord, I believe it. And I believe it. We believe, Lord. That right now. 
right now right now it's happening it's happening whether it's your healing a breakthrough in your marriage right now with your family your children right now says is anything too hard for me come on because I know your pain I know you're able father there's nothing that you cannot hey, you can you can do all things come on because you can do because I know right now let every chain be and every heart Lord because you fight for us Lord for you
here this morning as we were in the time of worship the Lord just ministered to me something about relationships and this morning I want us to pray for relationships I want us to pray for those of you that are struggling with a relationship because this is what the Lord showed me this morning is that many of us standing here today sitting here today there are relationship issues there are things in our lives and relationships with people that we have that is not right. 
And we want to get it right. We want it to be right. It may be in your marriage. It may be a relationship between parent and child. It may be a relationship with a colleague or a friend. And you know that things are not right. But God is saying today that he's in this place. And he's a God that heals relationships. Because he's a God that is concerned about family. He's a God that's concerned about you. He's a God that's concerned about your well-being. And he doesn't want you to be worried and concerned about this relationship issue that you're having. So if you are here this morning and there is a relationship issue that you are struggling with, I want you to lift up your hands. We've got to take some steps of faith. We've got to do something in the physical if we want God to do something in the supernatural. So I want you to lift up your hands wherever you are this morning. If you've got a problem with some relationship and you are trusting God for a breakthrough, you know that there is so much you can do and so much that you have done, but nothing has changed and the relationship is still the same. God is saying to you today, lift up your hands extend your faith to me because I can heal the relationships. I just want our leaders to go around and just look at those that have their hands raised up and just go behind them and let's just pray this morning because God is in the business of restoring relationships. God wants to see families restored. God wants to see families restored. God wants to see you having good relationships with people. That when you go out and people meet you, God is going to use you to be a good and positive impact upon people. So even as we pray this morning, I want everybody in a prayer of agreement. If your hand is not raised up, you pray for the person that has raised up their hands. Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that you're a God that cares for us. We thank you, God, that you're a God that loves us. We thank you, God, that family is important to you. We know, Lord Jesus, that you created the institution of family. You created the institution of marriage. We pray this morning, God, for those that are struggling in the area of marriage, for those relationships, God, that have gone astray, they've gone apart. My God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. You said, Lord, what you put together, no man shall put asunder. And so we bring marriages before you this morning. We pray for a healing over marriages, my God. We pray that relationships will be restored. We pray that husband and wife will come together as one, my God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you are going to minister love and healing to marriages, my God. I pray for those of us that are struggling with relationships in our families, God. Whether it be our immediate family or extended 
hardships today, God. We know that you are in the business of healing and restoring relationships, family, marriages. You are doing it, God, in this place. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, that you have done the work. It is done. It is done. It is done. God is here and he's here to heal and restore relationships. So we thank you, God. We bless your holy name. Oh, you're a faithful God. You are faithful, you are faithful, you are faithful. And so we bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Bless your word, Lord, unto our hearts. Help us, Lord, to not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Let your word shape us and mold us and prepare us that when we walk out of this place, we are armed with the word of God, ready to take on anything that the enemy may throw at us because we have the word of God inside of us. So we thank you, we praise you, and we ask all these mercies in Jesus' never-failing name. Amen. Amen. You happy to be in the house of God? Amen. You may be seated. Thank you to the worship team. Uh, the Sunday school may leave. I know they're preparing for their Christmas plays. So we're going to give them a few mo moments to leave. But I thank God. He's faithful. Amen. I bring greetings to you from Pastor Gerald. Don't worry, he hasn't left the country again. <laughs> He's just preaching out in Shekinah, and we trust in God that God will use him in a mighty way. And uh, that the fire of God that is upon him will fill that house. That's what we are trusting God for. So we thank God for that. He said, I must pass his love and regards to you. He'll be back next week. Um, I want to just speak to you this morning about a very um, common topic, a very common product, uh, and something that Jesus used in his teachings that is so important to us as believers. Now, I want to start off with a small illustration, and it's not an illustration. Actually, it's a story. It's a, it's a true story. And I want you to see how God can use us. How God can use each and every one of you. Now, on June 23rd in 2018, there was this whole um, event or incident that took place, and I'm sure most of you will remember it, where 12 boys and their soccer coach were exploring in Thailand, and it started off as a birthday party, but they went into deep into a cave. They were doing this exploration part of a birthday celebration, and they got stuck into the cave almost two miles, and they were trapped by rising water. Now, they had no food or little food. They had no light. Their oxygen levels were going down, and they had no way out. Now, media covered this whole event, and 
Navy SEALs were pre prepared to go and rescue them. The national police, the response teams, everybody was working tirelessly. Engineers were on the site trying to pump the water out while they were calculating how they're gonna drill into the cave and how they're gonna get these boys and their coach out. Then other countries came to the rescue. The US Air Force, Britain, Belgium, Australia, Scandinavia, all these countries got involved all to preserve life. Even a diver lost his life trying to save them. 18 days after, all of them were rescued. The world had made every effort to save them. And why did they do it? Because life is precious. The lives, or the lives of those 12 boys and the coach was precious. And the whole world saw that and wanted to do everything in their power to preserve life. We as believers, we need to realize that God has given us a mandate on this earth. And the mandate for us is to preserve life. We're living in a world where life is taken very uh, uh, casually. We don't put emphasis and the importance on life. When we look around us, very little effort is made to preserve life. There's no regard for life. Families are not considered as precious anymore. Family time is not considered precious anymore. Relationships and marriages are not considered precious anymore. They treat it as they're less important. Other things take preeminence. Other things take priority over the things that matter to God. Life matters to God. Relationships matter to God. Family matters to God, and yet we as people, as ambassadors of God here on the earth, we have no regard. How can we be an example to others? How can we be the ones preserving life when we are the ones that are, have no regard for life? And when there's no regard for life, you know this, when there's no life in something, something the, that thing starts to rot. It decays. So if we leave something, you know this, if you leave something unattended, an issue in your marriage or an issue with your children, what happens? As the days go by, it gets better. It gets worse. So we need to develop inside of us that urgency and passion for life. Preserve life. Preserve people. When you look at this account, the whole world took notice. There are people dying all over. But the whole world took notice of the 12 boys that were stuck in this cave because the priority was to preserve their lives. They still had a lot of living to do. And the world wasn't going to sit back and let them die. So how much more as we as believers when we look around us and we look at people that are decaying and are rotting, how much more should we have a passion built up inside of us to say, I am not going to let this one die. Turn to your neighbor and say, no one is dying on my watch. No one is going down on my watch. That is how we should be as believers. 
When we look around us, we should want to preserve life. We should not want to, you know, sometimes we have this attitude, we say, they'll find their way. Let them learn. Let them fall and wake up, right? That's what we say. But as believers, God is calling us to take a different approach. He's calling us to take a different approach. When we look at a scripture of reference for this morning, and it's a very uh, uh, important scripture for us. It's been a song that we're singing for this past few months, and it's from Matthew 5.13. And Matthew 5 verse 13 says, it says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor or its flavor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden upon underfoot of men. So when we look at the scripture here and we sing that song, right? We all like that song. It's such a trendy song now. We are the salt of the earth. We need to understand what that means for us as believers. Because when we look at the scripture and we look at Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 starts with the Beatitudes. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. It starts with telling us, Jesus showing us how we need to walk circumspectly before him. What are the things we need to do to walk uprightly before him? Don't sit in the seat of scoffers. Uh, he teaches us so many things. If you go read the Beatitudes from verse 1 to 12, Jesus is preaching the sermon and he's telling us how to live. And when he comes to verse 13... He uses this graphic image of salt to tell us what our role is here on the earth. He's using salt, a common commodity, a common material, a common ingredient, but it has so much of impact. Jesus could have used anything else, but he used salt because he knew what he wanted to convey to us as believers. He says, you are the salt of the earth. That means you're the one that must bring flavor. You're the one that must make things better. You're the one that must preserve. He says, when he said to us, go into all the world and preach my gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he's saying, get your salt ready. Get your salt ingredient in your life up to the level and the standard so that you can be an impact. You see, when we are walking in the plan and the will of God, we cannot be concerned about only ourselves. Yes, we have to worry about our salvation and we have to worry about our walk with God. But God, whenever he gave a mandate to the disciples or to us as people, it's always about the well-being of others. It's not about ourselves. Salt doesn't have any value to itself. You don't put salt in salt to make salt better. You understand? You don't put salt into salt to make the salt saltier. But you put salt into other things to enhance other things. 
you put salt into other things to bring out the best of other things. We know, ladies, when we are cooking, when we are cooking, if there is less salt, and we had the discussion yesterday, I was smiling to myself, I didn't want to say anything, because we were talking about salt and how we put too much salt or we put too less salt in the curry. But if you put too less salt, you can cook, you can have lamb, A-grade, melting potatoes, gravy soakers. But if you don't have salt, forget it. Your curry tastes like nothing. Salt adds flavor. The world is groaning under the curse of death, waiting for us to rise up and start to flavor. We say with the salt of the earth, we flavor the earth. You don't flavor yourself. You flavor the earth. So the world is teaching us to be very self-conscious. The world is teaching us to be worried and concerned about our own selves, our well-being, our house, our things, our everything is about yours. There's no focus on about how we can help others, how we can bring people out of that situation, how we can lift them up. Be the salt, be the flavor. We know this, and uh, my mother is famous for this. You phone her, and you got a little croaky voice. She said, what happened? Say, no, the throat is a little skinny. Salt water, gargle. Gar you gargled with salt water. Warm water, so and she must add a little turmeric, right? But she says, salt water, gargle. Salt kills infections. Salt kills bad things. S in those days when they didn't have medication and all the fancy things that we have today, they use salt. Salt had such good healing. It still has today. Even our doctor, he'll bear me out. He also says, when we got a salt, he said, just gargle with some salt water. I'll give you this, but gargle with salt water every day. Because salt kills infections. We are the salt of the earth. We need to kill things that are not supposed to be there. An infection is not supposed to be in your body. So just like that, we need to be the salt that will be able to go into the lives of people, minister to people, help them to come out of situations that are causing infection and discomfort and things that are causing them to go far away from God and move away from God. We need to the, be the people that are the salt that will go into the situation, help them to get out of that situation. Infections will clear. Wounds will dry up. That's the impact we need to have. But we are sitting back with the salt that we have inside of us, and we are allowing the salt. What happens when you just leave salt? Gets hard. Gets like rock. Loses its saltiness. Jesus is very clear here. He says, if the salt has lost its savor and its flavor, how can it be resalted? My words, right? How can it be resalted? It cannot be resalted. He says it's good for nothing. I don't want to be called a good for nothing. I want to be someone who has impact in the world. We say in that song, we the yeast, we influence the world. We the salt, we cover the earth. But what are we doing in our daily lives? that is actually 
that song being manifest in our lives? What are we doing that's saying that we are the salt, we are the ones, we're the ones. You know what? When I go into my family and they got any problem, I'm the one. I'm the one. You know what? I go, I pray for them. We pray together as a family. We talk about the issues. We, we, we make sure everything is sorted out before we leave. Are you that, the salt, or are you the one? You go in and you make it worse. When you come out, they say, I don't know why that one came. <laughs> it shouldn't be that way. It should be that when we leave, they'll say, eh, thank God we call Lorenzo. So long we struggling with this problem. Thank God we called him. That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be the solution because he put us here as ambassadors. We are created in his image. So if he's the one that brings flavor, if he's the one that brings healing, if he's the one that brings deliverance, then wherever we go, we should be professing, claiming, and speaking the same thing over every situation, every person we meet. The last point about salt is salt, or not the second last, is salt they use on roads, right, when there's ice. Now, when we were in Detroit, we were talking to Pastor Rick, and he was telling us, he said it, it was starting to snow. And we said to him, now all the cars were covered when we got up in the morning, and we said to him, oh, gosh, you're going to have to get ready now for snow. And he said, yeah, I've got my salt. So I said, okay, pastor, what you do with the salt? So he says, no, you've got to put the salt over the driveway, over the snow, because what the salt does is that the salt helps the ice to melt. And so you're able to shovel it out quicker. You're able to get rid of all the, the ice, and then you can drive your car and you can move around. So he says they do that on the road too. He says they got these big trucks, these dippers, and they, they pour all the, the salt on the roads so that it doesn't make it dangerous. So the salt is helping to get rid of the danger aspect. We as believers, we shouldn't be adding danger and putting more onto people we should be the ones that giving them solutions on how to come out of it, how to come out of dangerous situations, how to come out of slippery situations. We should be the ones coming with the salt, not pushing them more into the situation that they slip and slide and fall and you say, you know what, they have to learn. We cannot be like that. We have to have a heart of God. And God's heart, we sang the song, he makes all things possible. He can do all things. So why we are doubting what God can do? He said it in his word. We need to take him at his word. And the last thing about salt is uh, that I chose today. You'll find a lot of things about salt. Is that salt is used to preserve. And that's the focus of my message today. Salt is used to preserve. In the days when they didn't have refrigerators and freezers, they used salt. In Bible days, when they caught fish, the Sea of Galilee was very far from Jerusalem. It took them a few days to get the fresh fish from the sea to the people to sell to the people or to give to the people. So they had to cover it with salt. And the salt preserved the freshness, preserved the life and the lifespan of the fish 
so that when it got to the place where it was going to be sold, it was still fresh. Salt preserves. You are the salt of the earth. You should preserve life. You should preserve life. You shouldn't be the one saying that life is not, you're only worried about your own life. You, you know what? I have to live my own life. I have to do what's good for me. We cannot be like that. We have to worry about others. Jesus came to save us while we were yet sinners. God loved us. God loved life. He loved the life of people. He loved people's lives. He cared about them. Because he, he sent his only son to die for us. He didn't want us because sin causes us to rot and decay. Sin causes us to go further and further away from God. But God didn't want us to get to that place where we were decaying and rotting and dying and having no hope of eternal life. So he sent Jesus. And Jesus came to die for us. But now that Jesus is no longer here, we are here. And we cannot afford to see people die. And I'm talking about spiritual death. We cannot afford to see people backslide. We cannot afford to see people go down a path that we know is not good for them. We have to speak up. We have to say something. Colossians 4 verse 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. That means in every situation, you should know what to say. The salt that comes out of you must be able to preserve that life, bring that life out of the miry pit, bring that life out of the situation that they are in, bring that life out of the bondage that they are in, just by us adding salt. We have to learn how to preserve life. God requires that we preserve life. Now, if you look in the Bible, there's so many examples of men and women that have identified purpose and plan, the plans of God. They've identified how precious life was, and they went out of their way to preserve the life. We start off with Abraham. Abraham, Lot did so many things to hurt Abraham, to go against him. His own family did so many things to go against him. But when God was getting ready to destroy Sodom, Abraham went before God and pleaded with God, don't destroy Sodom because of who? Lot. We are so quick to give up on people. People have hurt us and did us wrong, like how Lot did so many wrong things to Abraham. We so quick write them off. You know, we got a list. We strike off. This one, uh-uh. We write them off. God is calling us to be better than that. He's saying, you be the one. You be the one that pleads their case on behalf of them so that they are not destroyed. Stand in the gap. We call ourselves intercessors. We call ourselves 
prayer warriors, but we need to stand in the gap to preserve life. Abraham stood in the gap for Lot, somebody that did everything to him that you would say, you and I will say, don't even bother about that fellow. Because if he's saved, he'll come back, and again he'll do more wrong to you. That's how we think. But God thinks differently. God thinks, give them another chance. Because you never know the chance that you give somebody else and how it changes their life around. You may be the key that God is using to unlock something in that person's life, but you're looking at all the circumstances and situations and what they've done and what they said and how they hurt you, and you're letting all that rule your decision to be the salt to go and preserve that life. Many of you sitting here today, you're actually thinking about somebody, I can see it. You're actually thinking about someone that has hurt you, someone that has done you wrong, but God is ministering to you today, I believe that. God is ministering to us today to preserve life, to care for the life, the well-being of others, not only ourselves. Then we look at Moses, another good example, because not only Moses was concerned about preserving life, his mother and father were also concerned about preserving life. The Bible tells us in Exodus 2, immediately Moses was born. Jochebed and her husband saw he was a goodly child. They say they saw that there was something inside of him that had purpose. They saw the Moses that led the people out of, Is out of Egypt. They saw the Moses that spoke to God on the mountain through the burning bush. They saw the Moses that God gave the commandments to. They saw the Moses when he was a baby. And they said, this one, we have to preserve. She hid him for three months. We know this account. Three months she hid him. She kept him from death because she knew there was a purpose inside of him. Some of us are sitting with people in our family that God has shown us that there's a purpose and a plan locked up inside of us, inside of them, and we need to preserve that life. We cannot allow them to go astray. We cannot allow them to go down a path and say, no, they're big now. They must, they must make their own decisions. We cannot do that. Sometimes I'm speaking to some of you as parents today. Sometimes it may seem that it's a hard thing to do when you have to tell your child not to do something that you know that's not in the plan of God. But I'm telling you today, you be the salt. You preserve that life because there's a plan and a purpose that God has. Jochebed knew from the moment she saw the baby, she knew she had to preserve him. She preserved him for three months. Then she puts him into the, into the river so that he gets to a place where his life can be preserved. His life can be preserved. And in Hosea 12, 13, it tells us, And by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. And by a prophet, he was preserved. God used Moses, a little boy that would have been dead at birth. God used him, but it took his parents to identify the treasure that was inside of him, the purpose that was inside of him, that they chose that they will do everything they can 
humanly possibly can to preserve that life so that life is not lost. Imagine if there was no Moses. Think about your family today. Imagine if there was no Moses. Where would the children of Israel have been? Where would we have been? But it took parents to identify. And when Hosea speaks about Moses, he speaks about Moses like what God saw Moses. That glimpse that Jochebed got when she gave birth to him is the same thing that God had in his mind about Moses by a prophet. Moses wasn't just an ordinary man. He was a man that God spoke to. You know, when pastor speaks to us about prophets and prophecy, he says it's when God speaks to us and then we speak to the people and we declare what's on the heart of God. Wasn't that what Moses was? Moses was a prophet. He was a man that heard from God. He came down from the mountain. He spoke to the people. He told the people, this is what God wants us to do. This is how God wants us to do it. And yet, we, we could have not even had a Moses if his parents hadn't taken a decision to preserve life. Preserve the calling, the talent, the gifting that God has placed in your lives of your children because you don't know. You're seeing the baby. You are seeing the child, the toddler that's naughty all the time. You're seeing the teenager that only wants to sit in front of the TV. You are seeing the adolescent that sometimes does things that you don't like. But God is seeing a prophet. God is seeing a praise and worship leader. God is seeing one who will be here playing instruments. God is seeing a pastor. God is seeing an evangelist. God is seeing a teacher of the word. We need to see things the way God sees so that we can make the decision to preserve life no matter what comes our way. We need to get tenacious about this thing. Because if we don't, we're going to allow things, we're going to allow people to slip between our fingers and be gone. And then we say, oh, you know, they could have been so... It's that, that's, not, that's not our response. It should not be our response. When we look at... At the life of Moses, his mother was able to identify she didn't miss the promise because she wasn't focusing on the circumstances around her. You see, what causes us to not, to, to not preserve life and what causes us to not uh, want to save people is because we're so consumed with the circumstances. We're so consumed with the situation around us. Jochebed could have looked around soldiers knocking on every door, moving house to house, looking for baby boys. She could have been concerned about the situation. If they find him, they might kill our whole family. If she was concerned about all the circumstance and the situation, she would have done nothing. But she had to take her eyes off the things of the world and focus her eyes on God so that she could get the work done, she could do what she needed to do, and she could preserve his life. God is calling us today to take our eyes off the circumstances. I don't know what situation you are sitting in today, and where there is a situation where death has come upon you. 
or a situation where something is getting uh, uh, taken away from you, where the devil has come in to steal, kill, and destroy. But God is telling you this morning, take your eyes off the situation. Take your eyes off the circumstances. Because when you take your eyes off that, then you can focus on him. And God will give you the strategy. You see, in this situation, God gave her the strategy. He gave her the plan how to do things, when to do things. And when she followed his plan, and she didn't worry about the circumstances, we have a prophet Moses who brought people out of captivity, out of the hands of Pharaoh, and brought them to a place where they could one day walk into the promised land. That's our mandate. Preserve life. Preserve life. If we look at the famous, another famous example, and Pastor always uses this guy in the Bible, is Joseph. Joseph preserved life. Joseph's whole mandate was about preserving. But you know what? He didn't have the easiest life. So don't think being salty is hunky-dory. Because it's not. It's going to cost you something. Don't think you are the salt. Go everywhere, sprinkle, sprinkle. It's going to be easy for you. It's not going to be easy. It's hard. It costs Jesus something. So it's going to cost you something. And if you are not willing to make the sacrifice, and you are not willing, you want to count the cost, you want to check how it's going to be, you want to do all your own analysis, paralysis, before you can actually make an impact or go in, and do something, then you're going to miss out. Because it costs something. It costs Joseph his family, relationships with his family. It costs Joseph, almost cost him his life. From the pit to Potiphar's house, then his reputation, cost him his reputation. Then to the prison, cost him his freedom. It cost him stuff. But his focus was... I have a mandate, and I have to preserve life. And Joseph didn't just preserve his life. He preserved the life of his family. A family that disowned him, a family that threw him in the pit, a family that went and lied about him and said he's dead, a family that was jealous of him. Come on, you all are thinking about this, the family that lie about you, the family that say things about you that are not true, the family that throw you in the pit. Anything goes wrong, you are the one. You get thrown in. But we still have to love them and preserve life. God is asking us to do. I know it's not easy. It wasn't easy for Joseph. Imagine seeing them coming for grain. His brothers, his own brothers, same fellas threw him in the pit, and now I have to help them. Some of us will say, why must I help them? They threw me. If it was, okay, if it wasn't me, I won't do it. <laughs> Joseph could have said, Joseph could have said, he could have said, hey, you all know who I am. I'm Joseph, your brother. You know the one you all threw in the pit. Now look where I am. You can see. You can see where I am. I made it. I'm now second in charge. Where y'all are? Y'all are coming by me for food. 
Doesn't sometimes we do that? Somebody is down, comes to us for help. We say, oh, you're coming now. Now you're coming for help. But not Joseph. He did everything that he could. Went against maybe everything he felt. His emotions. And he preserved life. And not only his life. He preserved the life of his family. And he preserved the life of the nation. Because of his wisdom. He interpreted the dream for the king. And he was able to, they were able to store grain in the barns for a time when there was famine. And then feed the nation. Some of our families are sitting with Joseph's. We don't even know it. We got a Joseph in our family who is the one that will preserve our family, who will be the one who will save the family when there's a time of famine. That's the one who will lift up their hand and say, don't worry guys, I got y'all. I got y'all. We got Josephs in our family that we don't even know who they are because we're not discerning and we're not understanding who they are in God and we're not seeing their purpose who they are in God, and we're missing out. And we're not preserving that life. Another example would be Esther. Esther, young girl. You know, sometimes you think you're nothing. You think, I'm an orphan. I don't have anything. What do I have to offer? But God used a simple, young lady like Esther to save a nation, preserve life. Imagine if Esther said, I'm too young for this. I'm not going. I already lost my whole family. I lost everything. Now you're going to put me in this position to go and, and put myself in front of a king. Put myself through all that treatment and training and everything. For what? But it was because God had chosen her to preserve life, the life of the nation, that she had to do it. Sometimes we sit and think, we think, no, we, hey, what we got to offer now? We are at a stage in our lives, we, we say, what we, we can offer now? Oh, we can be salt. Hey, Annie, you know what? Saltiness gone now. We're not. God says, you are the salt of the earth. It's a present continuous, unless you lose your saltiness. And you can lose your saltiness. You can lose your saltiness when you care about nothing else but yourself. That's when you become unsalty. And the Bible tells us, it's very clear, because Jesus is so clear about this. He says, you can't, how can you resalt it? So we have to be very careful that we don't lose our saltiness. And whenever we feel like we're getting pulled in the direction of unsalty. We have to pull ourselves back and say, no, I'm the salt of the earth. I'm on the earth here for a purpose and a plan. God has to use me and God has to show me where I can be useful, where I can bring flavor, where I can bring healing, where I can bring deliverance, where I can preserve life. You see, we are, we, are, we are not worried. about. If you look around and the statistics around us, suicide is 
on such a high right now. And it gets even worse as you get into the festive season. It gets worse. You ask Joash, he he'll tell you, he'll say, sometimes in a night, they have five to eight cases. And it's between the ages of 13 to like in the 20s that are either victims of suicide or they come in and they are, ab and is they are able to be saved. But that's life. That's a life. When Joash comes back from those shows, Pastor Maggie will tell you he's finished. They say, Mom, young people, one night he had five die. Five die. And we are here to preserve life. We have to be concerned. If we notice things and you see things, and don't tell me we don't notice things, we notice things. When we notice things, we must learn to speak up. When we notice things, we must learn to say something. They say, see something, say something. Don't see something, ignore, close, put the blinds, close the blinds. I didn't see it. Because we are the ones that are accountable. We are accountable for the lives of those around us. We have to take this thing seriously. Some of you are going to say, oh, when I go to heaven, I just stand. Pastor Ernest, just stand before God, me and only me and God. He's not worried about anybody else. But he's going to be worried about what you did. So don't think it's only me and God and Jesus, only us, we're only going to be there. It's everybody else we have to be worried about. So I prayed this morning that if you, somebody came in your mind today, and I know they did. I saw the names popping up. <laughs> but if somebody came in your mind this morning and you know that you have to reach out to them, don't wait. Preserve life. God is calling us to be the salt of the earth. I don't want to ever stand before God and he say, you lost your saltiness. I couldn't re-salt you. You were thrown on the ground. Look at what happens to salt. Salt that is not salty and useful is thrown on the ground. And the men, the foot, feet of men trod upon it. That means it gets lost. It gets uh, it's, 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 it's not even thought about anymore. Who worries about salt that fell on the ground? We are told, if a little salt fall, we sweep it out, quickly put it in the bin. Can't use that salt. You know, any air or dust or anything in that salt. We can't use it. So imagine us, if we lose our saltiness, the Bible is so clear that we are not going to be useful anymore. I don't want to be one who's called useless I want to be one who is called useful. That means I want to make an impact. You should be the same. You want to make an impact. I want to savor the earth. I want to flavor the earth. Wherever I am, I want to be the salt. When I walk in, they must say, there, salty is here. Okay, not really that, right? But that's what they must say. Salty is here. She came now, flavor came. But not only the fun side, and, but also what you bring. You bring life. You must bring life, you must bring joy, you must bring love, you must bring peace when you come. Because those are all the characteristics of Jesus. And if we say that we are created in his image and he lives in us, so when we walk into a situation, joy, love, peace, life must walk in with us. Pastor Maggie ministered that this morning when she said, when Mary went to visit Elizabeth, and the baby, John the Baptist, the baby inside of Elizabeth, leapt up with joy. It was because when Mary came, she was carrying life. 
She was carrying the salt. She had the salt, the, the best salt, the highest quality salt inside of her. And when the baby inside Elizabeth leapt, it was because he recognized that there was Jesus. When we walk into any situation, that's what must happen. People must just uh, turn around, uh, stop what they're doing, and take notice, not because of who we are, not our natural selves, but our spiritual man, who we carry, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the peace of God, the joy of God. That is who must be inside of us. And we must be able to not keep it inside of us, but use it to salt the earth. Use it to have impact. Some of us feel like it's, we are only restricted to preserving life in our family. I don't want to get involved in anybody else's business, Annie. I leave myself out. But we need to be concerned about the lives of others. You may not be able to reach everybody. I'm not saying you can reach everybody. You don't go now or make one big list and then now you, you won't be able to do everyone. But whoever God puts on your heart and God says to you, reach out to this person. Make, make this person feel loved. Bring some joy into this life of this. You don't know what people are going through. We're getting to this time of year. Listen, it's all fun and celebrations too, but there's a lot of people that go through depression, that go through mental struggles, that go through problems, financial problems, people that go through sickness during this time of year. We have to be the salt of the earth. We can't sit back and say, oh no, this is my Christmas. You know, old year, work so hard. We have to be able to reach out. We have to, salt sitting on the shelf is no good. Salt sitting in the container is no good. It has to be sprinkled. It has to get into contact with something, someone to make an impact. So I pray this morning that whoever the Lord laid on your heart, you're going to, before the end of this week, you are going to reach out to them and you don't have to, you just have to remember Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be grace, seasoned with salt that you'll know how to answer them. I pray that when you speak to people and you encourage people this week, let's make it a thing this week. Let's make it our mandate this week to reach out to somebody and to preserve life, to speak life, to reach out to someone who's going through maybe sickness, someone that's going through a struggle in life that you know of, someone that's going through, just, just reach out to them. Sometimes you may say you, there's not much you can do. You may have your own struggles and your own challenges, but you know what, a phone call sometimes, or just popping in a visit and seeing someone can change their whole trajectory of their day, even their week. So I pray today that we'll just not sit back like a bag of whole salt and get hard and get unsalty and not usable anymore to be trodden under the feet of men, but we will be salt that will be salty. Can't put too much. We have to be careful of <laughs> what we put. We have to be salt that will be salty. That when we enter any situation, when we 
come across any, anybody, that we'll be able to leave them and they'll be changed. We leave them with a word. We leave them with a prayer. We leave them with an encouragement. We leave them with something. Let's purpose in our hearts this week. Leave people with something that will add to their lives, not take away. The world is just taking away things from people. The world is in the, is it's in the business of taking away and destroying. But we must be in the business of building and giving. Building and giving. Building people up. Uplifting people. Giving to people. Let's just bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be the salt of the earth. You have called us, Lord, to preserve life. Just like Abraham and Moses, Joseph and Esther, Lord, you have also called us to preserve life because the lives of people matter, God. It matters to you. It matters to us. We as Potter's House today, Lord, we are coming to a place, Lord, where we are saying lives matter to us. The lives of people matter to us. No longer are we going to stand back and do nothing. But, Lord, we're going to take a stand. We're going to say something. We're going to do something to make the lives of other people better, to bring them to you, God, so that they can experience the same love and joy and grace and favor and mercy that we have. We will not want anyone to miss out, God. So I pray, Lord, that we will go into this week saying no one is going down on my watch. No one is going to die in my watch, Lord. Because I'm purposed in my heart to be the salt of the earth, the one who preserves life. So we thank you, Lord, and we praise you, and we ask all these mercies in Jesus' never-failing name. Amen.